0: Hi, a quick note before we start. If you have young listeners with you, please be advised that this podcast contains strong language. Also, it's serialized, so if you're just joining in here, you should go back and start at episode 1 of season three. Okay, let's start the show.
1: Oh Oh, hello. Can you hear me?
0: I can hear you. Can you hear me?
1: Hey, Tally, how you doing?
0: Hey, Jason, you sound really relaxed. Uh,
1: I guess the kids are out of the house for the first time in four days.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jason and I are back on the phone checking in. We text or talk about once a week. It's been just over a year since the asthma attack that almost killed him on stage last May. How was your Memorial Day?
1: It was, uh, what's the best way to put it. It was good on the family side. Not good on, so got bad news. So a comic from D.C., a guy named Dylan Meyer, died on early, late Friday night going into Saturday morning. Oh, my gosh. Uh,
0: hey, make some noise if you have a
1: job. Woo! Oh, yeah, very employed for a comedy audience. Uh, I
0: have a job, brag. Dylan Meyer was as much a fixture of the D.C. comedy scene as Jason Weems. He was a big bearded guy whose signature was wearing the ugliest clothes he could find. Loud Hawaiian shirts and colorful shoes. For one of his last sets, he was on a bill with Jason at the DC Improv. Since we've been following Jason, we caught it. I am very curious today. I googled, how much does cocaine cost? <laughs> Should
1: have done that at work. Right after that I googled, how to talk to my coworker Steve about his cocaine problem. <laughs> from the information that I've been given there's still a lot of kind of speculation swirling around mm. passed away from a cocaine overdose um, so kind of everybody all the comics kind of in the area um, who knew him <laughs> the winds kind of knocked out of everybody
0: I decided the other day I would never invent a time machine uh, decided I totally could I'm too lazy I do lazy people stuff I'd be like I'm out of weed when was I not out of weed
1: three hours ago here we go fire up the machine <laughs> really funny dude a lot of potential just always you know good energy and he was a huge fan of mine like he was always you know anytime I had a show he's like promoting it for me and like these are like things but like that that's just the type of dude he was
0: how does it make you feel
1: it feels kind of weird being on the the opposite side so I mean I imagine to a certain degree this is kind of what was happening you know when I went through what I went through
0: I'm Talia Bacassas, and this is First Day Back. This season is about Jason Weems, a comedian whose heart stopped for five minutes during his own performance, and he was saved by a woman in the audience. Jason isn't just trying to come back. He's working on a new one-hour special that'll be staged a few months from now. He wants to use his death as a springboard to becoming the next big name in comedy. He's booked a major Baltimore venue, he's working tirelessly on his new material, and he's even invited his hero, Dave Chappelle. When Jason gets up on that stage for the special, we'll be there, recording Jason, his family, and his story to see how it all plays out. So when Dylan Meyer died out of nowhere, it hit Jason hard. The day before the funeral, Jason wanted to pay his respects. He went to dinner with Dion and the boys and planned to stop in at the funeral home while they waited in the car.
1: So as we're driving, Dion turns to me and she says, do you want us to come in with you? And it blew my mind. I was like, I didn't even think that was on the table. She says, y'all, some people just, uh, they just don't do death well. I guess especially when it's close to you. Like, you know what I mean? Dion, she hates funerals.
0: Jason also wasn't totally sure about taking his boys in, but he figured he was close to Dylan and a lot of his friends would be there. So he went in with Dion and the kids. The scene was a little surreal. Dylan's family had asked people to honor him by wearing Hawaiian shirts. There were people in florals, plaids. There was even a guy in a Bart Simpson t-shirt. And people were very emotional. Bringing the boys turned out to be the best idea
1: you standing there, you know, solemn, crying, and then you feel these little four-year-old arms come around your, your legs. And Sean's in there, the oldest, he's like running for governor. He's walking around like, I'm sorry for your loss. Can I get you anything? He's hugging everybody. The twins are kissing people. It was. I'm still getting messages from other comics, from people. The boys brought so much joy and light into that space. I mean, it was amazing.
0: But being there with his wife and kids, seeing all his comedy friends wiping their eyes, it was eerie. Jason couldn't help imagine the scene in front of him as if it was his own funeral.
1: What would mine have looked like? Like, who would have been standing here? Who would have been saying what? Who would have been—whose kids would have been hugging my kids? I'm like, what if— because I was it was done like it wasn't like I was I wasn't close to death like I was gone but I think the thought that hit me the soonest was that was supposed to be me
0: Jason eventually walked over to the side of the room where Dylan's casket was he wanted to say a final goodbye the room was set up for the funeral with rows of empty chairs. It felt foreboding almost.
1: It was it was like cinematic. I was walking up this long thing towards his casket. No one's in there. It's a huge cross. Um it's kind of dark in there. The lights kind of like right on him. And I walk up and I kind of just stand there and and I'm mad. I'm just like like what the first thing I said to him was what the fuck Dylan? Like what the fuck and I know I have the show the next night. I told him, I, I, was like, I was like, I won't be here tomorrow. And I was like, but I have a show. And I was like, I promise you, I'm going to, I was like, I'm a, a word is stronger than kill. Like, I'm going to do that for you.
0: Sometimes it feels like death is swirling all around Jason, more than for most people. Or maybe it's just that he's constantly working his death material in preparation for his big show. You would think that going over the details of his deadly attack every few days would stress him out. Like, who's to say it won't happen again? But Jason is pretty confident it was an isolated incident. The doctors in Philadelphia told Jason the attack was probably caused by the red wine he drank. At the bar that night, he had just one sip of red wine before he got on stage doctor said if he was allergic to sulfites, that might have caused a reaction in his body. He hasn't had a drop of red wine since. It's helped him cope with the fear of it happening again. Mostly when he's on stage now, he's just having fun, even though this is heavy material.
1: It's weird, man. I'm dying is weird. Has my hair ever died before? I died. Who the
0: fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> Who
1: the fuck? He was just quiet. Really? Yep.
0: Jason is back at ragtime outside of D.C., workshopping his death set. He's doing a lot of riffing with the crowd tonight. When he threw out the question, has anybody ever died, he was definitely not expecting a yes to come back. When the guy in the audience said, I died, every head whipped back in the dark to see who it was.
1: You fucking with me? no. How'd you
0: do that? He's a middle-aged white guy with a friendly vibe. Jason is suddenly bonding with him. Usually, Jason's the one with the unbelievable story. So they give you the <laughs> So they, they stop. You think it's just sound fun as fuck? <laughs> 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 well, sometimes I feel like it's happening and I don't go to the hospital anymore.
1: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sometimes you feel like you're dying. No, yeah, you feel like a, kind of like a little rabbit in your chest. A rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> you feel a fucking hair in your chest. I got a little hair on my chest. Yeah. The crowd is
0: shifting in their seats, and Jason is ready to turn the story back to his own death. He's getting to the part where he's lying on the floor of the comedy club in Philly, and nobody can reach Dion.
1: When it happened. My phone was locked, and no one knew how to get in touch with her. She was back in Baltimore.
0: Then he puts his hand on his chest and takes this deep breath.
1: Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to puff this shit. Don't laugh.
0: Jason reaches into his pocket and grabs his inhaler and takes a puff. He leans a bit on the mic stand and motions to the audience to hold on a sec with his hand up. People laugh nervously, looking around at each other, like, is this okay? Is this a shtick? But Jason is nervous. He doesn't know if this is going to be like when his heart stopped. Is this Philadelphia all over again?
1: I'm good, though. If if some shit goes south tonight, Sriracha wing. I got an EpiPen in this bag, all right? That's your job. Stab me in my fucking leg, not my throat, motherfucker.
0: (laughs) He's making jokes, but he's just given clear rescue instructions on where his EpiPen is and how to use it to a guy in the front row he nicknamed Sriracha Wings earlier in the set.
1: And then I want you, the fucking man with the rabbit in his chest, run right out to the street screaming and get some help. <laughs> <All> that <right. laughs> motherfucker probably died in the, in the front row. <laughs> would be two dead motherfuckers in here. <laughs>
0: Jason stares at the floor and regains his composure while the crowd explodes in laughter. And somehow he gets back into the set. His mind is now going in a million different directions, but he keeps telling jokes for another 20 minutes. He was up there for 40 minutes that night. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: shit, haven't take his clothes off! Huh? <laughs> like, I'm ready when you uh... are. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm going to leave in a second. If you enjoyed yourself after the show, i got some T-shirts for sale in my bag right here. Just come on up here and say what's up. Give me your money. Uh, (laughs) But you guys have been a lot of fun. Thank you for listening. Have a great night. Thanks.
0: My producer, Mark, is in the audience recording this whole thing. He's anxious to talk to Jason and after the show gets in his car to see how he's doing
1: while you're on stage talking you don't really get a chance to rest where if I was off stage I would have puffed and sat quietly for a few minutes but up there you know I, I puff it and I've got to go right back into the thought so I didn't want to push it closer to, to an hour and chance going into an attack from just kind of overexerting um yeah but it's always a little bit of fear there um i going to puff this yeah, real Yeah, yeah, no,
0: no. Uh-huh. no. You have to do what
1: you have to
0: do. Okay. Jason's breathing still isn't right. He's trying to get it back under control and make sure it doesn't spiral. So he takes another puff of his rescue inhaler.
1: If you need to go home or, like, you're not up to it, just let me know. I'll go. Like,
0: Jason holds his breath, keeping in the medicine. But his chest is still pulling.
1: I literally, I don't know, I'm not sure how I sound into the mic now, but... Because when you're talking about something, I'm not sure if it's one of those things that you bring that kind of energy to you. But yeah, I felt felt it coming in, and I was like, oh shit, this is the worst fucking time.
0: While Jason's asthma is flaring up, there's a major shift with his son Liam's asthma. He's the child who's been having three or four serious attacks a day. Dion hears about a doctor who has a reputation for being a miracle worker with asthma. So even with Jason's latest attack weighing on the family, they decide to take Liam first. So let's talk about our little
1: friend Liam. Take a deep breath. Keep doing that.
0: Good job. The doctor prescribes a huge list of meds. And at first, Jason is apprehensive. This seems like a lot of drugs for one little body. But they have to try it. And just one week after seeing the doctor, Liam has not had a single attack.
1: We were still very skeptical. We was like, is this just a coincidence that he's not having an attack? And he hadn't done anything that would really test it.
0: So Jason decided to take Liam and his brothers to a big field near their house.
1: So guys, when Daddy says, on your mark, get set. Go, I want you to come straight to me. You ready? Northern high school where I went to high school for two years and my father went to school there. we stopped at that track. And I knew I was like, OK, this is the test. On your mark. All of the things that would typically send him into an attack are right here. Go. Straighten your lane. He ran, went around the track one time, did it twice. Did it three Good times. Job. Everybody stayed in there. Ran lane. through Good. the grass. Keep going, Liam. Congratulations. Keep going. So when I saw that, I was like, wow. Wow. He didn't realize what was happening. Come here for a second, Liam. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come in Stop that. Everybody stop. Come here. Do you know that you just ran around that entire high school track and didn't have an asthma attack? You're not even coughing. You know how amazing that is. But look at you, look at you. You're not even breathing hard. Give me five, man. That's awesome. How's that feel? I really bigged it up and high fived him and picked him up and really made him feel how special and big that moment was. And I saw something change in his you know, like I almost saw like the light bulb go off. Like he felt like, okay, like now the world is open to me. I remember being Liam. I remember I was always separated and disconnected. And I also know the feeling of, I remember when my asthma started to get a little bit better. Like, it's that feeling of when you're stuck in traffic for like an hour, and it's just stop and go, stop and go. And then finally you get past the accident. Can everybody say yay, Liam, because no asthma attacks? Yay, Liam, yay, Liam. Yay, Liam, yay, Liam, yay, Liam. No asthma attacks and you get that first stretch of open road, and it's that feeling. It's like, ah.
0: This one doctor's appointment has been a game-changer for Jason and Dion. But at the appointment, Jason was so focused on Liam's asthma that he barely got to tell the doctor about his own severe attacks. He probably should have. More after the break. There are so many podcasts out there, it can be hard to sort through the noise and find one you love. I want to recommend one of my favorites, Reveal, from the Center for Investigative Reporting and PRX. I listen to the show for its in-depth reporting of important stories where often I've heard a bit about it, but I want to know what's really going on. For example, in their episode Silencing Science, Reveal exposed how officials at the National Park Service tried to censor a climate scientist, one who'd been hired to research 100 national parks and how climate change could cause future flooding. But after the Trump administration took over, the researcher was pressured to delete references to humans causing climate change. Facts matter, today more than ever. Every week, Reveal digs super deep to uncover corruption, deception, malfeasance, inequality. And year after year, Reveal wins many of the biggest awards in journalism. And the sound is transportive. For some of the best reporting out there, check out Reveal on iTunes, Radio Public, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Learn more at revealnews.org. It's a few weeks later. Jason and Dion are both home. It's been a quiet day, quiet evening. The kids are asleep.
1: It must have been about midnight, and I'm about to go lay down and start feeling this tightness in the chest. So I'm like, all right, take a puff of my rescue inhaler, and doesn't feel like it's doing much. Dion's in the bed doing some work on the phone, and I plug my nebulizer up, and I sit on the edge of the bed and start taking the treatment.
0: The minute that nebulizer machine comes out, it's a trigger for Dion.
1: It sends like a chill through the house. Like it pretty much stops everything. It's like when you're having, you know, a really good conversation with someone and ice gets poured down the back of your dress type of feeling.
0: Jason takes the nebulizer machine downstairs. It's the size of a small vacuum cleaner.
1: So I'm sitting in the living room taking the the nebulizer. D was trying to, you know, rub my back. Um, I could feel my back muscles like like almost becoming like rocks. So I turned to her and I said, look, don't freak out, I'm having an asthma attack. Obviously she looks concerned. I'm trying not to go too far down that wormhole mentally because, I mean, anytime I start to have an attack now, it always, it, it just goes straight to death it was a real struggle to kind of pull the air in and get it back out. Then I was—I just went into a mode of I'm taking every bit of asthma medication I have in this house.
0: Jason even grabbed some of Liam's new meds, desperate for some of the relief his son has been feeling. Like, if this worked for you, please let it work for me.
1: I'm trying to do everything I can to prevent this from becoming either an ambulance ride or, you know... I was trying to shoot out into the dark in the middle of the night and drive to a hospital. And then maybe after, say, I don't know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, I mean, I was feeling a little bit of relief, but still nothing. The, the, the pulling and the wheezing and the attack was still happening. So now I'm like, okay, what the hell's going on with this thing? So, I mean, the whole time I'm literally fighting for Every inhale and fighting for every exhale.
0: Jason's mind was going to a dark place.
1: So I'm sitting there and I turned to D at one point and I grabbed her hand. And I told her I'm scared. And then I just started talking to God out loud. I said, please God, please God, please God, please God, please take this away. Take this away. And I'm saying, if you can just let me see my kids tomorrow morning. like, Because then in my mind, like, if I can make it tomorrow morning and I can see them get up and I can take them to summer camp and it's a regular day, I know that I've gotten past this.
0: When Jason had that attack in Philly, when his heart stopped, he has almost no memory of what happened. Dion wasn't there either. Jason pieced the story together from what people told him. This time, the attack is longer, and he's awake. He and Dion are living through every terrifying second of it.
1: Finally... I laid back towards her, and put my head against hers, and then was so tired from the attack, I just fell asleep for a second. And I think in that, maybe my body just relaxed even more, or the medicine finally took hold or what. But I remember I was holding the mouthpiece of the nebulizer in my mouth, and then I felt it fall out, and that's what woke me up.
0: It was 2.30 in the morning. The attack lasted about two and a half hours. Two and a half hours of struggling to breathe is a long fucking time. Jason kept trying to figure out why this happened. Dion had sprayed some lavender in the bedroom, but she had done that before without it being a problem.
1: Right now, I'm, 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 I'm terrified. It's the, the fear of, shit, all these things want to keep on happening. Like, what's the next one? Like, why is this happening? Like, what's the triggers? Like, you're scared and you're questioning God and you ask him, like, why is this still happening? But then at the same time, I try to step back and say, no, let's look at this a different way. Let's, I'm going to thank God for it instead.
0: So like you're just going to see the positive in this. What's the positive in this?
1: The positive is that it's put me back in the same space that I was on May 3rd or May 4th when I woke up. I mean, I feel that anxiety. I feel that fear, which I think are going to actually help me see the material clearer right now. This is really putting me back into a space where it doesn't feel like jokes anymore. It doesn't feel like material anymore. As twisted as it sounds, I feel like God made me have that attack last night. And I think he made me feel it as long as I felt it. I think he made me be in as much distress as I was.
0: And, I mean, so you have, like, the opposite instinct than what I would think. I would feel like after this, you don't want to make jokes anymore especially mm. not about the death stuff but your instinct is the opposite
1: it's the opposite and i think it's also because so much is tied to this now like you know with the special coming up in december it's one of these things that on the surface of it it's all just scary shit it's all just terrifying it's all the things that make you anxious it's all the things that make you angry because then you get those moments where you're just angry you're like come on like can i get a fucking break But then I know, I know just beneath the surface of all of those quote-unquote negative feelings and emotions and everything else, there's amazing joy and there's laughter. So, right beneath being scared of not seeing your kids the next morning is the joy of seeing your kids the next morning. And I won. I won this round.
0: next time on first day back
1: hey tally good morning it is 5 35 in the morning it is november 2nd which means it is 29 days until unknown and i just woke up with a pit in my stomach and like my chest and knots just that feeling of i don't know i just had this picture in my head of like just people sitting there not laughing
0: First Day Back is reported and produced by me, Talia Abacasis, and Mark George. The show is edited by Mary Beth Kirshner, and our executive producers are Suzanne Reber and Ellen Weiss. Sound design and score by David Herman, and fact-checking by Aisha Bagshi. First Day Back is a production of the Scripps Washington Bureau and Stitcher. Our executive producers at Stitcher are Jenny Radalit and Chris Bannon. You can find First Day Back on Stitcher and wherever you get your podcasts. You can hear ad-free episodes of First Day Back only on Stitcher Premium. For a free month trial, go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code FIRST. If you like First Day Back, don't forget to rate and review it on the Apple Podcast app. It really helps other people find the show. I'm Talia Abacassas, and you can find me on Twitter at Talia or on our website, firstdayback.com. Thanks for listening and talk to you next week.